everyone, and welcome back to Casual Climbers, the podcast by and for beginning hikers and those who may not quite be physically ready to tackle the Appalachian Trail. I'm your host, Donna Padrick, and alongside me is my husband and adventure buddy, Roy. Hey, Donna. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Roy. So in this podcast, we provide you with information, tips, and tricks on how to get into hiking in the Blue Ridge area. We also cover some of the hundreds of trails in the various parks and forests in the region, and hopefully maybe bring a smile to you along the way. We're two middle-aged, not in the best shape. Definitely not in the best shape. Yeah, hikers, but we love the outdoors. And we want to share that experience with you. In this week's episode, Donna, we discuss a gorgeous waterfall hike here in the upstate. It's a beautiful waterfall hike. It's a gorgeous waterfall hike. Station Cove Falls in Oconee Station State Park. We'll talk about the Oconee Station State Historical Site. And we'll also have a fun fact about the park by you. Oh, yeah. By me. Yeah, that's me. Mm Mm-hmm. Finally, we talk about how this adorable little local produce and general store, which is only minutes away from Oconee Station, the Picket Post Produce. It really is a cool store. So what do you say, Donna? Let's get into it. Yeah, let's go. So today's hike, Station Cove Falls Trail, here it is by the numbers. The distance is 2.92 miles from the trailhead at Oconee Station State Historical Site, there and back. The time it took us was one hour and 55 minutes at a comfortable pace, but only one hour and 13 minutes of that was actual moving time. And that's because you're going to want to save time to enjoy the actual ultimate destination of the trail. Now, this trail is actually fairly flat. If you look at the pictures on our website of the trail map, the lowest point's 955, the highest is 925. That's only a 70 foot difference in the lowest point to the highest point. And for the most part, we did find it fairly flat. The, the trail is very pet friendly, very kid friendly. But in the beginning part from the state historical site, shore footing is probably required. Yeah, it's very different. The, oh, so, so I want to just right out of the gate say that there is another parking area that you can you can skip the first half a mile of this hike by parking at the other parking area. I will say that the benefit to parking at where we parked at the historical site. Yes. We, we walked up to see the historical site, the, the two historical houses. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely, you should definitely do that. Don't miss that. It's a big benefit. I think. So first of all, there's more parking there, more parking, bathrooms, bathrooms. Yes. Places to sit there. There's plenty of, of uh, picnic tables that you could have picnics at, both near the historical site and also uh, at the... There's a little interpretive center there, and there's a picnic table around the side of it, and there's benches there that you can play videos to learn about the historical site and learn more about the park in general. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty great. So... The very first time, last summer, I believe, we did this hike and we started at that first, the first half mile from the historical site to you, you cross a road. A Coney Station Road is the road that you cross. Yeah. Yeah. So if you start at the historical site trailhead, it's a half mile from there to the road. And then there's a tiny parking area. 
maybe maybe eight spaces there. Yeah. Ten, maybe if you squeeze in. I would think it's pretty popular though, because that first half a mile that you hike, that's a much more narrow path, and it's also where you're going to get the ups and downs on this trail. Yes, that's very very true. It's less than a foot wide in that first section. Yeah, in many parts. But what you do miss if you skip that section, and a lot of people do, we did on the, the first, first time, time we did yeah. this last summer. Uh, there's a beautiful little lake back there yes that you can see you and there's a trail that goes all the way around it or you can just stay to the left and get to the the falls trail but that lake is kind of nice it's it, green it's not a crystal clear lake like you would get at table rock or at paris mountain but yeah. it's still a pretty lake it, we saw a guy fishing there so it's 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 a destination yeah yeah depending on what you want but but if you are an unfit hiker in the Carolinas, like we are, you might want to skip that first half a mile. If, if your destination is really just about the falls at the end and you get out of breath like I do, you might want to just, you know, bypass that first half a mile. You can skip it and shave a whole mile off the whole trail. So yes. if you started at the, at a Coney Station road you can find in the parking, parking area. Yeah. yeah. Now there it's are less no, than two miles. There's no bathrooms at that parking area. No bathrooms, nowhere to sit. That's right. right. So get that out of the way at the other parking area after you've seen the historic houses. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the historic buildings and Donna's fun fact. And so we won't spend a lot of time here, but it's super interesting. We're talking 18th century buildings that Late. have a lot yeah. of really great history to them that Donna's going to get into. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the church, so the trail from the road portion, which is half a mile in if you start at the historical site. To the waterfalls. It's what much, did you think? It's much wider. It's pretty straightforward. It, the, I didn't notice. Once we got there, I didn't notice a lot of up and downs. I mean, you do kind of go down a bit because you're going down to a waterfall, but it's gentle. It's, I didn't get out of breath. No, it, it's, that portion is a piece of cake hike. Yeah. Very easy. People walking their dogs. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, it is probably the easiest short of looking glass falls. It's probably the easiest waterfall <laughs> hike that well, they have. In some yeah. ways, it's easier than looking glass falls if you have a hard time with stairs. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there are a lot of stairs to get down there, but you can see it from up top if for you sure. didn't want to yeah. get down. But, yeah. So yeah, but a, a, for a true mountain waterfall, it's, that's an easy hike. It is. It's an it easy is. hike to get in and out. And once you're there at the falls area, there's plenty of rocks to sit on. There's yeah. trees to sit on. Now that is the thing. So once you get to the station cove falls, that's where I wanted my poles to climb over rocks and climb, you know, cause you're walking on rocks across the water to get to the better view of the waterfall. And if you want to get right over to, cause you can literally last summer, you actually stuck your head under the water. I did, yeah, and it was pretty great. It's it was, cold. It's yeah, but it's so refreshing. And I like to drink from the waterfalls. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't drink a ton because we need to get you a filter. We probably should get me a, a bottled filter. But <laughs> I, the, the water's so crisp and clean and, yes. and refreshing. So I always try to. That's my little reward. I I have I don't know maybe a cup of water. It's not, I don't, I get two handfuls. That's all I have. It's not like I'm drinking a big bottle of it, but it's enough for me to just enjoy. And along the trail though, there's not a whole lot to look at on the trail itself. It's okay. So yes, but I can, 
I can imagine and I have read that in the spring when the mountain laurels are in bloom and that that they they're really beautiful. Yeah, we did see a lot of mountain laurels. We did. There and, was one section that had quite a bit that we're canopying over. And there I I'm not 100% sure that it's this hike, but there is a hike in Oconee Station State Park that you'll see a certain type of orchid in bloom just wild out there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we I don't know if we've seen that, but of course now we wouldn't see it now anyway. Right, right, right. But, yeah, spring. Yeah. Um and also there are some unique and possibly endangered plant life species that are near the waterfall because the waterfall creates that humidity and that that splash and that spray and that just wonderful ecosystem down yes there. yeah um you're gonna have interesting plant life that you might not see anywhere else we saw there was a lot of interesting plants one of the ground covers that you kept remarking on yeah uh was really interesting it was called what was it christmas the... something because it was like an evergreen ground cover and it was really pretty to me it's winter yeah it was called the christmas green christmas green okay yeah. Or yeah. Creeping Jenny, Ground Cedar, Flat Stem Club Moss. It's got a lot of different names to it. But it, it is a neat little it's ground a, cover. It is a solid, like it's a strong green. And here in the winter when, you know, the leaves on the trees are gone and all you have is your evergreen for color out there. Well, and the mountain laurels kept their leaves. Right, but But yeah, still, I, I just appreciate color. I do too. And, you know, we're, we're getting close to spring coming on and we did see, we've started to see in the area, some of these flowering plants and trees are starting to get buds. Yeah. So I, I anticipate with as much rain as we've had this winter and as mild as it's been, I anticipate it's going to be a colorful explosion Yeah. this year. I, I hope so. I hope so too. Yeah. This is our first full year here in South Carolina, moving from Florida we're we were bored with florida because it's summer all year round pretty much yeah and it's flat and it's flat yeah there's no fall so mm. you don't get any leaf change of colors yeah the worst that you'll get is just leaves go from green on the tree to on the on the ground that's <laughs> that's it yeah it's it's i love living up here it's it's pretty great this trail in the begin in the early parts of the trail we did see mountain bike tracks mm mm-hmm. mhm but there's a section, maybe about a quarter mile before the falls. Right. It's very, it's pretty close. Once you get to this place where the fence, they've done the fence to where you have to zigzag through the fence, walking through the fence. I don't think a bicycle, I don't think a mountain bike could get through that. It's designed to keep to, mountain bikers out. Yeah. yeah. There is another way, another path, like it, it forks off and you could go another way. So the fork there... If you take it right, instead of going straight to the falls, that takes you to a Coney State Park. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's another great waterfall hike there called Hidden Falls and Disappearing Falls. It's all on the same hike. And that's one we're going to do here in the coming weeks. We're not sure when we're going to do it. But that's a neat little waterfall hike, too. You and I have done, I think, just once. Yeah. We've done that. So yeah. we're looking forward to doing that one again. Disappearing Falls is so neat. Yeah. It's a tiny little waterfall. but it does disappear. Yeah. Like the water just disappears. Into the ground. Into but the ground. It's pretty great. If, if, if I was to, you know, be worried about quicksand up here, that, that might be quicksand that it's disappearing into. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. I'm not going to try it. You might. I probably will. I probably <laughs> we'll will. lose a shoe. Yeah. <laughs> now, 
in this particular on this particular trail, we actually recorded a small bit of on the trail audio that we're going to play at the end of this segment uh, before the fun fact. So you can hear in the background. Now, let me warn you in advance, the audio is going to sound different than it does on our home studio mics. Yeah. So be prepared for that. But you're going to hear the waterfall in the background and the waterfall's gorgeous. It's a 60 foot cascading waterfall. And the pictures are on the website, casualclimbers.podbean.com. Go to Trail Photos, episode 10. And you'll see how gorgeous this waterfall is. And it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's really wide. It's, it cascades down. It's, I don't know. It's just a very unique waterfall. It's it not... starts narrow at the top mm-hmm. and then just kind of fans out. And the water just takes different paths right. along the way. Yeah. yeah. It's it's so great. It's great. We spent thirty minutes. Oh yeah, there. I yeah. We had lunch and yeah, just sat on the rocks and just looked at the waterfall and took a lot of pictures. Took a lot of pictures and just enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You know, we were there by ourselves most of the time. We went early on Saturday morning. There was one guy who came up after us, and he ate uh, his lunch and <laughs> yeah, he had some food and he left. And then we were by ourselves for a little while longer, and it it was nice just sitting there. You know, almost meditating mm-hmm. in in the the sound of the water rushing down and the this the breeze coming through and the the water spray. It's 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 wonderful. It really is. If you've never been on a waterfall hike, it makes any challenge that you have on the hike a hundred percent worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're like, oh, this is what life's about. Yeah. Where do you rank this on the waterfall hike set we've been? with is it near the top do you think it is it is it's hard to rank waterfall hikes because i love them all i do too this one's special because like i said you can climb on the rocks and you can get your head under under the water which we did not do this time because it's february and it was kind of cold not even you are crazy enough to do that well it was it was cold. It was in the 40s. And so, you know, it's not like I have to worry about my hair drying out or anything because <laughs> I have none. But I, you know, I just didn't want to take a chance, especially considering there may have been rain later on. So I just I didn't want to take a yeah. chance. But if it's even a little bit warmer, I definitely will do it. I yeah. did it the first time. And also if we don't have errands to run after the hike. Yeah, that's true, so. too. Yeah, <laughs> we, had, we had stuff to do afterward. Yeah. I like this one. I mean, so. In our house, we have, I'm looking right now at a picture of, a, of Looking Glass Falls at how beautiful it is. And if you've never been there, by all means, please go to Looking Glass Falls. It's in North Carolina, real close to the Blue Ridge Parkway. But this one, this one has a special place in my heart, the Station Cove Falls. I think what I like, there's, there's many things I like about it. But one of the things that I like about it is if you want to get a quick waterfall hike in after work, it's very fast. Yeah. It's very fast to get there. You park 30 minutes, maybe, from, from where we were. Like I said, the challenging parts from Station Cove Falls, if you park there at the street, you have a mile in and a mile back. That's it. It's yeah. Pretty, it's pretty fast to get in and out, and the trail's well-maintained and Now, you don't have easy. to worry about gates closing or anything like that either, do you? No, there were no gates. Uh-uh. Yeah. They don't close the road, so you could go after dark. I don't know if I'd recommend it. I don't know it. if I'd want to. Yeah. Some, I've heard that some people like to mountain bike after dark, but yeah, I, I don't need that in my life. No. That, <laughs> no, it, it's not that the footing is terrible. It's actually fairly straightforward. It's pretty, pretty flat. I mean, I didn't. 
and pretty you, wide. Yeah, you could probably, if you wanted to, get a wheelchair through there. Now, you're not going to get it through that zigzag thing because it's really narrow, but I mean, it's it's fairly straightforward. So, yeah, yeah but that's one of the things I like about it. If you just want to get a quick one in without spending three hours on like Rainbow Falls trying to get oh my gosh. Uh, through that tough hike. Yeah. It's nice. It's really nice to get to. And and it's it's so big and there's a lot of area down at the bottom that even if there are people there, you can find a little secluded spot. A little, a little ways away from some people to sit down and just enjoy it by yourself. By yourselfish, yeah. But uh -huh. yeah, I mean, you're not going to get too far away from anybody, but you're not going to be sitting next to them either. You, mm -hmm. There's room that you can spread out. And I don't know how you felt about this, but I didn't feel like, I mean, I'm really cautious, but I didn't feel like the rocks were slippery. No, they, well, they, they for the most part, they weren't. You're right. But there was this one part that I wanted to get to that had a, a fairly deep pool, probably about six, seven inches before the, the stream starts taking off down further. And the water was going over it, over this rock, maybe about half an inch deep. So it was just a, a shallow water. And so I stuck my pole on there to see and that pole just went shh. It slipped right off, and I, so I felt it with the tip of my toe, and it was as slick as you could get it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So just, you know, the thing to look for is look for darker portions of the rock, because what that slipperiness is, is a moss of some kind or a fungus growing on it, and that's what makes it slippery. So keep an eye out for those, and you'll be okay. But for, yeah, for the most part, it was pretty steady footing on those rocks. Most of them were dry. So if you, if it was summer, it was warm, it was a hot day, and you were wearing your hiking sandals, would you have tried that slippery rock or no? I would have found another way around. Okay. It was really slippery. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I've been gun shy ever yeah. since I hurt my, Shoulder. my arm. Yeah. yeah. So I would have found another way around. And going straight up to the waterfall wasn't terribly slippery. The rocks there, you could get to if you were careful. I mean, don't just, you know, bound through without taking any care. I felt like you could get to the bottom of the waterfall to actually touch the water falling down pretty safely. Yeah. And I didn't, re I, I always like having my one hiking pole, but I didn't really feel like I needed it until we got to the rocks and we're climbing around. I guess there is a little bit of a path that'll get you kind of close without having to climb on a rock, but. If you want to get within 20 feet of the waterfall, you're going to need to climb over and around rocks. Dumb question, probably. Would you recommend this to anybody <laughs> in the would, area? I would recommend this to everybody in the area. As would I. As yeah. would I. St Station Cove Falls is, is really nice just because of the ease of getting to it and then the payoff getting there. Like yeah. you get a wonderful waterfall hike with relative ease. Very little effort, in my opinion, and we're unfit. Yeah, um, so, so again, that first half of a mile or that last half of a mile, whatever you want to look at it as. Well, both, if you start at the historic site, right. is challenging. Yes. It's definitely break a sweat. I, cause, cause, and I knew this. I, I felt this. Because you're going down from the parking lot. You're going down into that hike. And I knew, I was like, oh, what comes down must go up. You know, so 
I, when we were coming back up at the very end of that hike, I, I stopped at one point and I was like, nope, this is just where I live now. I know. And we were like, you could see the 20 feet yeah. away from that. I was like, nope, <laughs> like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. This is not fun for me. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was funny. I had to nudge you to get you going on that last part. It is a fairly steep climb up, uh, that last. Gosh, quarter mile. I mean, the whole half mile is challenging. Because it's, it's up and down, up and down. I mean, yeah. I am glad that we did stop and see that lake that we would not have seen. But right. I guess you could also, if you really wanted to see that, if you park at the other side and just sort of bypass that first half a mile, you can hike in a little bit to see that lake. And You then could, but I mean. Yeah. And, and, and also, I will give you this. That first half a mile is where I saw a lot of that ground cover that I liked. Yeah, the Christmas green, yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, it, just purely from a logistical point of view, guys, if you park at the, the historical site, there's bathrooms, there's seating, there's the interpretive center, there's the buildings, and there's more parking there. So the half a mile is, is challenging there and back. But it depends. I guess it really depends on how much time you have. If you want to go faster, park at the at this on the side of the road, there on a Coney Station Road. But if if you're if you're not in a rush for time, just do that extra half mile. Yeah, I will say um, I was very glad that the bathrooms were there when I go back. I'm gonna make make it a habit to always carry um, like tissues, you know, like the travel pack of tissues or something like that because sometimes those bathrooms don't have toilet paper and this is one of those times it didn't have toilet paper i was really glad that i had tissues that's a good point to make so anytime you go to these places that aren't fully staffed all the time and a coney station state historical site is not fully staffed all the time maybe keep a roll of toilet paper in the car yeah something like that yeah you know just a small something just in case of emergency yeah yeah runs out of the women's bathrooms much faster than the men's yeah. So, yeah, just keep that in mind. And some of these places, just like Caesar's Head, doesn't have running water to wash your hands. So right. now bring, this one, bring th some wipes. Yeah, this one did. It had running water yeah. and soap and all that. Oh, good. All that I didn't stuff. go in the bathroom, so I didn't see. But that's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. But they didn't have toilet paper. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> now, they do a great job of maintaining the site. And we're going to talk about the buildings that are there in Donna's Fun Fact. So we won't spoil any of it here, but it's definitely worth a go. So, yeah, I agree with you. I would recommend this hike to anybody in the area. Nice, simple, fairly easy hike. If you do that first half a mile, in and then that last half a mile out, if you park at the historic site, I would call this a break a sweat hike. But if you don't do that first, if you park at the other place where the path just starts out wider, then it's a piece of cake. I, yeah, it's a piece of cake hike. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's get into the next segment, which is sounds from the trail. And it's going to be short, it's only a few minutes, guys. Be uh, let, let us know. Uh, send us comments, send us an email, let us know if this is something you enjoy. If you're like, eh, it's, it's not yeah. for us, then, then we won't do it. Yeah. So Donna, now we're here for a new segment, uh, Sounds of the Trail. And where are we right now? We are at Station Cove Falls in Oconee Station Historic. State Park. Yeah. Yeah. So... You guys can probably hear the waterfall as we talk. It's a 60-foot 
cascading waterfall with multiple platforms. Pictures will be up on the website, of course, under the trail photos section. But there's something truly spectacular about these waterfalls upstate. Yeah, there really is. It's it's breathtaking. It just you you hike here and you know there were sections of the hike where I got a little tired, but getting here just renews your spirit completely. You're just like, oh, okay, this is what life's about. This is why we're here. Yeah, it really is. And when we first got here, we were all by ourselves, and there's just one other person here now. We came early on a Saturday morning, but this is a very popular trail yeah. for people. It's also February 24th, 2024, so um, it's warm for February, but it's cold for South Carolinans, I think. Maybe. And it's in the mid-40s right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, we're in pretty light stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah. I... This waterfall is particularly nice. I, you know, every waterfall is great and has its own uniqueness to it. But this one's really nice because you can get so close to it. Like, you really can, if you wanted to, walk right up under it. Yeah, I think in the summer when we were here before, you actually, I had some pictures of you. Dipping my head under the waterfall. Yes, yeah. Maybe yeah. even some video of that I can't remember, but... Yeah. I may do that again. No, that no, again. it's way too cold. No, it's not. This too is cold not for swimming that. weather. No, it's not too cold for that. Uh, all right. Yeah, and of course I want to get a, a drink of the mountain of the waterfall water. Yeah. I love how it finds the each stream that comes down the cascade finds its own path, and sometimes it's the same path, and sometimes it veers off to the right. It's, it's really kind of meditative to just watch a waterfall. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like people. People choosing their own path. Yeah, people do choose their own path. Yeah. You can see at the top it's kind of narrow and then broadens out. Yep. So there's that one thick stream that comes off to, to the left of the waterfall as you're looking at it. But then it just kind of cascades all across. It's... Man, nature's pretty amazing once you get out here. Yeah. So, listeners, I want to make sure that you experience everything that you can on these trails, and that's why we take you along with us. We hope that you will listen, maybe even as you do the trail, and get to experience some of it along with us. Or what I used to do was listen to the podcasts about the trails beforehand so I knew what to prepare for, and hopefully we do that for you. But sometimes there's just no preparation for a gorgeous waterfall, is there? Right. There's preparation for the trail, but we can't verbalize the beauty of the view. No, and pictures don't do it justice either. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, we'll move on here to our next segment, which is Fun Facts with Donna. So today's fun fact is about the Oconee Station Historic State Park, the buildings, the historic buildings that are on that that park and and the guy who built them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in the late 1700s, the upstate South Carolina, it was the western frontier for European settlers in America. So they needed to protect themselves from the native Cherokee and they ended up trading with the the Cherokee. 
there in these buildings. So hopefully, I, I like to think that they made some good friends. I don't know. I like to at the very that. least were ethical in their business transactions. It right? seems like this guy was. It seems like he was. So um, it's kind of crazy to me though that this is really far east, and that was the western frontier. <laughs> yes. You yeah. Know? That is pretty crazy. Yeah. That's as far west as... As they had gotten. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Which means that we did a lot since then. <laughs> yeah, no, we've done a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we, pushed, we pushed pretty far. So early colonists in what is now Oconee County, they erected military outposts called blockhouses. So, and they were garrisoned by local militiamen. Oh, okay. Yeah. So one of the few remaining blockhouses is here at Oconee Station. Historic State Park. Okay. Yeah. It's a small clearing. Uh, you, from the parking lot, you have to walk up a little ways to, to get to that. It's nice how they have it because when you walk up there, aside from the, the wording, you know, in front of the houses, you kind of feel like this, you just step back in time. Yeah, you really do. You really do. These buildings, I love old buildings. Yeah. You know I love old buildings. I love photographing them i love looking at them standing in them these look like they just got taken out of time they're in really pretty good shape i know they've been restored but still yeah they, they look great yeah so there's two historic buildings there's a brick home and a trading post and they were both built by an irish american merchant named william richards nice yeah so here's something that like i'm having difficulty wrapping my brain around about 20 to 30 soldiers were stationed at the military blockhouse from around 1792 up until the troops were removed in 1799. So 20 to 30 soldiers. If you, if you were to go and really see these, this, this place that they were stationed, it doesn't seem like it's enough room for 20. I don't know where they're sleeping. I honestly. mean, it was, I think, two floors and then a basement. Yeah. On... It may have been two floors on both in a basement, but definitely the one had two floors in a basement. But even so, these yeah. houses are small. I can't imagine. I mean, it's smaller than the two-bedroom house that we live in now. I mean, I, I, I'm just thinking that they had to take turns sleeping because just space oh, to yeah. lay down. It would have had, well, bunks. I, yeah. I would guess bunk oh, beds, yeah. but even so, 20 to 30. Can't, I can't imagine 30 people, just the... B.O. alone back then would have been <laughs> brutal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that these buildings were moved. I think, but I don't 100% know. In my research, it was saying that they were built by the creek originally. Yeah. So, but they had basements. So I don't, they, I don't know when they would have gotten moved. I, I couldn't figure that out. If they had basements, they wouldn't have been moved. Yeah. I yeah. Unless they were. But the like, creek could have been rerouted. Oh, yeah. That's true, too. You know? Yeah. Or, you know, over time just, just got lost. Yeah. Different things yeah. happening. By 1795, so in the middle of that, the station was used as a trading site where colonists exchanged guns, livestock, and other, like, animal skin and furs from the Cherokee. Okay. Yeah. In 1805... So that was 1795. And then in 1805, that was when the home was built. Richards built his two-story handmade brick home. Wow. Yeah. We, yeah. That doubled as a trading post until 1809. 
Yeah, an inventory from that year showed a stockpile of over 30,000 animal skins. And where eight, was it stored? I, I'm thinking the basement, but again, where oh, were people man. sleeping? I don't, and plus, well, I guess you have to prepare animal skins and stuff to, to where they don't smell. Yeah, you have to tan them yeah. and all that. Yeah. So where, I, I don't even know. They, they might have had, you know, where temporary you buildings or Probably, yeah. or something. I would have so to So these are, so. these yeah. are brick, you know. The buildings that the, we are at, that they were brick and that right. one had over a foot thick walls mm-hmm. the one that was the garrison there could have been like add-ons that were wood that maybe burned or something i don't know i didn't see any evidence Probably. of burn or just or decayed just yeah yeah just decayed and they could have had some wood buildings on the outside that got sure. lost to time yeah yeah and okay and this i found this interesting aside from 30 over 30,000 animal skins there were 82 pounds of ginseng Ginseng. Yes, ginseng. I found that super interesting. So this I didn't think it grew here. Apparently, this guy knew that ginseng was popular and valued by Englishmen, and he he grew it. He probably yeah. From my research, he he knew how to grow ginseng, and apparently, it grows really nicely here. So that's crazy. Yeah. I wasn't So the English must have gotten it from, you know, the the Asian trade route. Yeah, probably. And then And, and then, then it, somebody and then this guy somehow got seeds or a cutting or something like that. Something, that's that's he, amazing. Yeah, ginseng. I wasn't prepared for that. I was not either. No. Yeah. Yeah, the historic site is located on 210 acres along the Oconee Creek. Yeah, I didn't really see where the creek was in relation to the house. And I mean, so yeah, I didn't either. It, maybe, maybe close is sort of like within within two hundred yards. Because my research like also said that the waterfall is close. Mm. Oh yeah, I mean, so well, the, I, I mean, mean, I guess three, what a mile and a half yeah. from the historic site. So I guess if you're thinking, if you're thinking that a mile and a half is close, then yeah, there could be a creek that's close for sure. I think that one that Oconee Creek that the waterfall falls from falls into. Yes does cross the road so it might be a hundred yards we just didn't see it yeah you know into the woods or something like that i would think that they would want to build it close to a fresh water yeah water source source. Mm -hmm. yeah were there any notable natives there that you in your research i didn't find out any notable natives i did i was really i i'm always interested in whether these frontiersmen had wives and children and it took me some digging it was hard to find, but then finding uh, the the gravestone, and then his wife was buried next to him. So um, his wife's name was Dicey Cobb Richards. Dicey. Dicey. D Y S E Y. I don't think I've ever I heard mean, that name yeah, before. I know. I it it makes me kind of think of Dyson, like vacuum cleaners yeah. or something. But Dicey. That's Dicey. Neat. Yeah. Okay. D-Y-S-E-Y, Dicey Cobb. Yeah, so Dicey Cobb was born on April 6, 1788 in Lincoln County, North Carolina. She was the daughter of William Cobb and Mary, Mary went by Polly Abernathy. Dicey's marriage to William Richards was on June 15, 1805 in Lincoln County. So the Cobb family lineage is well documented, but I didn't really get into that. Only to note that 
she was the daughter of a reverend. Oh, okay. Which was interesting because they ended up having four kids and all four of their kids were boys and two of them ended up being reverends. You know, I've never looked into it, but I would guess that that was a pretty common thing. I would guess then. too. Um, yeah, one of their kids was a judge as well. And also one thing that I pulled up said that William Richards, her husband, was a reverend, but I could find no evidence of him actually like having a church or anything like that. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder if reverend meant something else back then or if it was like a, just a general like just a general like clergy mister oh well i mean i guess it's possible like, like i guess in order to be a reverend you would have to be ordained at yeah. some point but that doesn't mean that you're practicing sure sure yeah i don't know it's that's interesting inter yeah that that's pretty interesting so her children were clearly educated right yeah and i would imagine traders were probably pretty wealthy back then especially if they had 30,000 animal skins <laughs> on hand at any one year. And what was it? 82 pounds of ginseng. 82, 82 pounds. That is so much ginseng. So that much. That is so much ginseng. Yeah. And what's ginseng for a uh, memory, right? It's brain health? Is that <laughs> yeah, right? Maybe we should be taking we it. Probably. Probably <laughs> should be. So ginseng, the harvesting, it's, it's a prized medicinal herb. Highly sought after in both European and Asian markets, and Richards recognized the potential value of ginseng and actively harvested it. The I wonder if there's any any remnant wild I ginseng wonder. in those woods there. Oh my gosh, maybe we have some like squirrels out there that have really good memories, really good brains. Don't yeah. don't be a jerk to squirrels out here because okay. they might remember it. Yeah, they'll probably remember. Yeah. Next time we go out there, before we go, we're gonna have to look up what a ginseng plant looks like. Yeah. And just be on the lookout for it. May I would think. If he's growing that much, there's got to be some wild ginseng out there. Probably. I mean, well, this, this was, you know. The... I mean, it was 200 plus years ago. <laughs> but still. It's a I hot mean, minute ago. Yeah, well, in Florida, when they yeah. brought the orange trees over in the early 1800s, there's some wild orange trees that are still around. You know, they're not from that time, but they're seeds dropped from it so sure. i would think birds that, and stuff yeah seeds out yeah so yeah. i would think that probably some ginseng in there somewhere yeah so my research found that the appalachian mountains including the area around Oconee station were known for wild ginseng so he likely scoured the forests digging up the gnarled roots of this valuable plant oh so he he didn't bring it well, over he found it knew I mean, what it was and was like oh i can make a gold mine off this yeah so so the what I found was that he recognized the potential value and actively harvested it. But yes, there's there's wild ginseng out there. Wow. So once, That's pretty great. Once dried and prepared, ginseng could be sold at a premium. So he probably made lots of oh, money with he that. Had to, I mean, his kids were all educated. I wonder yeah. if they like put it in tea or something. I wonder how they took it. I don't know. Who huh. knows? Interesting. Yeah. I have to look that up. Probably, so. probably in a tea or mix it in food or something, I would think, right? Yeah. Unless they're just grabbing the root and chewing on it. I yeah. Don't know. I actually looked up whether or not he was well-liked, and what I found was probably he was a successful tradesman with Cherokee and white people alike, so he you was- You have to keep diplomatic. Yeah. He was probably very up, yeah. politically correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The anti-me. Gosh, that's pretty interesting. You know what? It's always fascinating to me to hear about- Back then, like when we did the Paris Mountain one, mm -hmm. 
and the Cherokee people had good relations with <laughs> up to a point. Up to a point, yeah. Uh, Richard Paris, but man, it it's really kind of crazy to think that relationship went south so fast. It it, <laughs> it really went south so fast because it seemed like it was okay. They even fought with us. Yeah, and then it yeah. just kind of it tanked. Shoo- a few I like to think that it was a few Andrew Jackson people in power you know that because the Trail of Tears started in 1831 and we're talking about like 1805 is what you're talking about 1805 is when he built his two story home and and doubled his trading post until 1809 so that's not that that's not that far beforehand no so what 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 happened to it after that do you know after 1809. Oh, actually, no, I don't. I was, I, I followed a rabbit down a trail. <laughs> <laughs> <You> followed <it>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that Dicey Cobb was born on April 6th, 1788. So just a few years before you, you were born on April 4th. So she yeah. was born on April 6th, 1788. I mean, we're, there's a few years a between few, us. Yeah, yeah. A few years. Just a few. But yeah, okay. Um, we don't know. I, I couldn't find when William Richards was born on his gravestone. Birth unknown. De- death September tenth. Oh, does, does it really? Eighteen sixty six. Birth unknown. I I mean, if you look up the the head the gravestone. Yeah. It's at Four Mile Baptist Church Cemetery in Pickens County, Georgia. I I Pickens County, Georgia. That's not. I don't think that's right. No. Pickens County is here in South Carolina. I okay. wonder if there's a Pickens, Georgia. I bet. I bet there is. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I don't know if the the headstone the gravestone says birth unknown or if it just kind of faded. Oh, yeah. Like if the, the gravestone like itself if it was, is, but yeah. hmm Yeah. That's interesting. So the post started as basically a, a garrison for, yeah. the, for the, <laughs> the western frontier of South Carolina, which is hilarious to me. But it does make sense because that's right there where the Blue Ridge Mountains kind of start. It's at the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. So yes. It would be scary back then, thinking, what's on the other side of those mountains? Is it, does it just end? <laughs> Is there an ocean there? Or they, they, there's no way they could have known. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of- Thousands of miles of land between there and the next ocean. Yeah, they couldn't have known that back then. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty interesting. I mean, they probably could have asked the natives. <laughs> and they'd have told them, yeah, there's a lot of land over there. So, yeah, I was, I was asking- my, in my research about the original, lo- the exact location of these structures, it's evolved over time. I don't know if it was, if, if evolved over time, I suspect that just means that the land around the buildings has evolved over time. Yeah. But it was originally built near the Oconee Creek, strategically positioned to guard against potential threats, which I feel like its location, you know, it's kind of high up. It's higher than the area around it. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. And it, it does feel like it's kind of on a hill. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we had to we had to climb pretty. A pretty steep driveway to get up there. Yeah. But that was before our hike. So we were good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were fine. Yeah. From the parking lot. It's. Gosh. It's probably a 50 or 60, maybe even more foot climb to get up to the to where the buildings are. It's pretty high. Your app won't. It won't say that, it, will it? Well, I didn't start recording until oh. we got to the trailhead. Okay. But yeah, huh. so I can see why that would be a good spot, right? It's pretty, pretty high. 
So So that's interesting. Yeah. That's a I, great fun fact. Donna. I was really trying to like find pictures and stuff like that, but they just didn't. Yeah. They, they I mean this. This there's there are two interpretive signs there mm-hmm. at the at the historic site. And and I'm sure you covered the information inside inside them in your fun facts. But if you guys want to go and check out the historical site, you know, it's you can find it just Google Map. Oconee Station State Historical Site. It'll get you right there. And from the parking lot, it's a walk up this... It's not paved. No, it's it's a dirt and gravel path Yeah. from the parking lot up to the area, this little field clearing where the two buildings are. And check out the buildings. When are the buildings open? The buildings are open on the weekends. I believe they do. They weren't just open when we were there yesterday. They were morning, just open on Saturday. I think yeah. officially they're open like from one to five. I think maybe they do tours or something like that, but they were just open when we happened to go. Now, I do know that certain times of the year they have they do. Uh, historical, not reenactments so much, but people in historical costumes and giving historical depictions. They do demonstrations on weaving and tanning and stuff, stuff like that. I do too. Because I, I, I mean, it's kind of, if, if, if it's not for that kind of thing, then those things are lost to history. Right. Uh, that's why I love Williamsburg, Virginia. Yeah. yeah. We may have to do a podcast on Williamsburg. Oh, yeah. A, a, an episode on William, Colonial Williamsburg. If you guys haven't been, it's... 100% worth it. Because you, yeah, same thing. You get all these, except that there it's year round, but yeah. yeah. And the whole, the whole area, everybody. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So check out their website, Oconee Station State Historical Site. You'll get the information and a calendar of events as to when they're going to be doing these. I don't even, I guess they're, I don't even, I don't want to call them reenactments because they're not. They they speak in modern language and they talk to you as if they're modern and there's no fighting going on. But they do, you know, historical trade and crafts, demonstrations, talk to you about the history of the site. Yeah, so be sure be, to go. Yeah. Might be terrifying though if they if they actually did start, you know, battles and stuff. In oh front gosh, of you. it'd be awful. Yeah. yeah like it'd be awful. Arrow just pushing by your head or something. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want I, I wouldn't want that. Yeah, that'd be a little too real. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Too well. Yeah. Well, thanks, Donna. Thanks for the fun fact. Yeah. You're welcome. So today's local business, right outside Oconee Station State Park, it's about mm, two and a half miles, but there's only one way you can get in and out, so you're going to be hard-pressed to miss it, is the Picket Post Produce. And I don't want to call it a stand because it's a permanent building structure, but this is a throwback-to-history place, isn't yeah. it? Yep. Complete with the the old guy sitting on the front porch. On a rocker. <laughs> yeah. It was great. <laughs> so we pulled up, and right away you see fresh local produce right there in front. And there's an old guy right under a hand-drawn sign that says boiled peanuts mm-hmm. just sitting on a rocker waving and saying hi to everybody. And everybody's saying hi to him, too, as they're coming in and out. They just, they, you know, I can't remember what his name was, but. I don't remember, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's like you're immediately hit with, oh, this is old old world South. Yeah, and friendly, know, side road very stand. friendly. I mean, it, just just because everybody knows each other and they don't know us doesn't mean that they weren't saying hi to us too. Yeah, they were very <laughs> very friendly. I I like we we had been to this place once before, mm-hmm. and they have a ton of stuff. Tell tell us about some of the stuff that they have there. So they have the blackstrap 
molasses, sorghum. And I'm curious about that because it's got a lot of iron in it. And some people take it. This is like in a jar made by somebody locally. And so I'm kind of wondering if that's like better than like the grandma's blackstrap molasses that you can get in the grocery store. Some people will put it in their coffee to get more iron into their diet if they're a little bit anemic. So I didn't get any because I have some here that I got at the store, but maybe next time we go. Maybe next time. they. One of the things that first struck me is they have shelves and shelves and shelves of pickled things. Yes. They have pickled vegetables. They have pickled eggs. They have pickled sausage. They have pickled bologna chick chips. I didn't see that. Yeah. I, I was going to buy one, and then I was thinking, I don't much care for bologna. So I <laughs> can't imagine that I would like pickled bologna. You but might. might. You yeah, might. I might. And, and I like pickles and bologna, so maybe maybe it would work for me. I don't know, but I'm not a big eater. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know, what it was about nine months ago, our son Carter was here visiting. We had stopped at this little place. Not the same one, a different place. And they had pickled eggs. And I was like, you know what? I've never had a pickled egg. I want to try it <laughs> because I, my dad used to love them and I tried it and immediately spit it out of my mouth. Yeah. It was the most disgusting thing. And I then ever what had. did you do after that? I, I put it, I tasted it again. And, and then, and then you made me try it. Yeah. Made me try it. And it was gross, right? I spit it. Yeah. yeah. There's no way. It's there's... horrifying. Yeah. So. So ever since then, I've kind of been gun shy about pickled stuff. I typically, I don't mind pickled sausage. Well, and they also had pickled pickles. Yeah, which we got a jar of. We w- got different, some, different some, flavor. Yeah, you know, there's, we they got had some the spicy. jalapeno, or sweet, sweet jalapeno pickles. Something, yeah. yeah. I haven't, I haven't tried them yet. You tried them? I tried one last night when we got back. Yeah, and what do it, you think? It's really good. Is it? Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> we like yeah. to put stuff like that on our hamburgers. Yeah. So we also, they also sell uh, jellies. All different kinds of jellies. And mm-hmm. all this stuff is made local, guys. Like, they have rhubarb and raspberry and peach and, I mean, just tons and tons and tons and tons of different jellies. Yeah. Yeah. All, all made locally. It's, it's an incredible place to pick up stuff that you can't find anywhere else. Right. And I love that. I love the idea of care and love being put into, you know, pre- the preparation of food. Yeah, and, you can definitely tell the people who made this yeah, care about it. From the making of whatever's in the jar down to the labeling and all of it. They, yeah. they, there, there's a lot of care there that is. goes in. We got some salsa mm-hmm. from there, too. We haven't tried it yet. We're going to try it this afternoon. Yes. But I call it a general store because they have kind of something for you. Like, you can get a knife there. <laughs> Or you can get a goat's milk candle. Now we did. We got some eggs there, and yes. So what I I haven't tried some yet. I need. I need to. I'm gonna make some after the podcast. Okay. Yeah. So what's really interesting is these are like free range, fresh eggs from chickens less than five miles away. Right, and they're all different colors. Yeah. I I wonder if this is where the idea of like painting Easter eggs came from because they're like these pale. Green and there's some blue in there. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I yeah, guess I don't know why you would paint them if you can just get them like that. And I don't know why all the gr- all the like eggs in the grocery store are either white or brown. I think they come from a specific chicken breed. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. So we got some eggs there, and I- I'm looking forward to it. They also have raw milk. Mm-hmm. Now, raw milk. There are 
proponents of it who say raw milk is the only milk you should drink. And then, you know, the FDA and everybody says, don't drink it because you don't know if it's safe. This could happen. Yeah. So people who drink water straight from a mountain creek, from a waterfall without <laughs> filtering it first, those are the people that might be more curious about raw those milk. Those are the people that might and are more curious <laughs> about it. Now, listeners, she's she's picking on me, I which am. is fair. I'm fair game. <laughs> I did actually buy a half gallon of the raw milk. Yes. I had never had it before because I've always been worried, you know, I don't want to get dysentery or whatever it is that yeah. you can get from salmonella or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but it's really quite good. It is. And I, I, I tried it too. I read somewhere that, because I'm lactose intolerant and have been my whole life, but I read that some people who have issues with being lactose intolerant can tolerate raw milk for some reason. And so far, so good. Yeah. So, I had some so yesterday. Had some. I had some today. They have it in half gallon and gallon size. It's, I, I was expecting a different taste, but for the most part, it tastes pretty much like milk. I've been away from milk for so long yeah. that it was just a treat for me. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's good. It, it really is good. Now, I'm not advocating that you drink it. Yeah. Listeners. Yeah, we're just not. Just FYI. I, I'm saying I tried it because I had always wanted to try it, and I kind of like it. Yeah, so on next week's episode, if we've died because we drank raw milk, then you'll know not to drink it. So yeah, I don't know doing... who's going to tell them, though. That's like, true. If... Well, if we just don't make a podcast next week or something. So if no podcast episode comes out next week, our listeners are supposed to assume we have died from milk poisoning. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> It is it is one possible reason okay, that know, we did That's fair. It is a reason. <laughs> Alien abduction is also a reason that a yeah. podcast episode doesn't come. Or we just got busy. Oh, and that brings me to the whole Sam Squinch thing, the whole Sasquatch. Sasquatch, thing. yeah. Yeah. So if if you are looking for Sasquatch when you hike like like we kinda do, some of us more than others, that first half a mile before you get to the road, the more narrow path, the more up and down path, that's where the Sasquatch is going to be if he's out there. I agree. The second half is far too busy. Yeah, it's far too wide and yeah. just easy. And like, I, I think that Sasquatch, I think they like the challenge of, you know, the ups and downs and the narrower path and they can hide more. They can hide more. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen one yet. Haven't, I haven't keep seen. I keep knocking on trees to try to get one to answer, and it hasn't happened yet. You do not knock on trees. I do. So for those <laughs> listeners who don't know, knocking on trees is a thing that Bigfoot hunters say. It's a scientifically proven. <laughs> they, they, they say <laughs> that uh, Sasquatches do. They take logs and hit trees with it to communicate with other know, other sasquatches or animals or whatever i don't know and so when these bigfoot hunters go out and looking for bigfoot they take these logs and whack on trees and hope to get a response and yeah some of them say they do but i, I mean i mean how do you not know that somebody else is in the woods behind camera right in the, the tree i don't know but we have yet to see him and, and you I'm know what? Hope, though. How how did the trees feel about all of this too? That's not that's nobody's not, asked. I nobody's maybe asked the somebody trees. needs to ask the trees. Why don't next time we're out on the trail, you ask? I will a tree if they like being hit. I will ask blood. a tree, and I will also hug it. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, this business review took a weird turn. <laughs> so <laughs> so we're gonna end it here. Okay. So you can look up the Picket Post Produce. It's a mouthful. 
on Facebook. That's their only source of communication. Uh, they do take uh, debit and credit cards as well as cash, so you don't have to worry about that. But it was not a foregone conclusion when we came up whether they were going to take yes. <laughs> any, any electronic means, but they do. You know, be sure to shop. They have a ton of stuff. They Super also sweet. have just the regular stuff like sodas and bottled waters and you know candy and snacks that you can recharge. They don't have real food per se, like sandwiches or anything like that that you can buy there. You have to go a little bit further away from the park to get to a meal if you want a meal. But if you're just looking to recharge on some snacks, they got it. Yeah, totally. So that's it. Oh, boiled peanuts. They definitely have boiled peanuts. Oh, definitely have boiled peanuts. <laughs> and you should ask them how he makes them. <laughs> so that's the episode this week, guys. The Station Cove Falls Trail that you can get to either from a Coney Station State Historical Site or from the parking area inside a Coney Station State Park. It's a wonderful, short, very easy hike if you take the second part. And its payoff is incredible. The falls are beautiful. Donna and I loved every second of it, and we recommend it highly to anybody who goes. Yep. So thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to us in whatever podcast app you use and be sure to leave us a review. That's how our show grows. Feel free to check out our trail photos at casualclimbers.podbean.com. If you have a question, comment, or just want to drop us a line, you can reach us at casualclimberspodcast at gmail.com. So we'll see you out on the trails. Yeah. Next time I will pick up some pickled bologna. Uh, are you going to get it? Next time? I'm not going to eat it, but I'll pick it up. What? What? No, you've got to. Ch- you'll try it. You're the guy who drinks raw milk and drinks from a waterfall. I will try it. You will. I will. Totally. And you'll probably li- like it. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see you out on the trails. Bye.